0: Welcome to the latest edition of our Contentious Regulatory podcast series. I'm Sarah Cody, counsel in Linklater's financial regulation practice in London, focusing on contentious regulation. And I'm
1: Alison Wilson, a partner in Linklater's contentious regulatory team here in London. So today
0: we're discussing the FCA's recent consultation on the introduction of a new consumer duty and its potential implications for firms. We want to keep this podcast practical to help clients who are responding to the consultation. But before we get into its implications, we're going to start by giving a brief overview of the proposal and its three key aspects, the consumer principle, the cost-cutting rules and the outcomes. So Alison, what is the background to this consultation? The concept of a duty of care for financial services firms isn't new, is it? No,
1: Sarah, it isn't. The question of whether to introduce a so-called duty of care into UK financial regulation has been under discussion for some time now. The FCA released a discussion paper on the potential merits of it in uh, 2018. A subsequent feedback statement said that most respondents agreed that there was a case for change, but there was no consensus on what that change should be. Then COVID caused the FCA to hit pause. And in the meantime, the House of Lords voted to insert a new clause into the Financial Services Bill, which would have required the FCA to introduce a duty of care. But this provision was rejected by the House of Commons uh, and the final version of the Financial Services Act 2021 does require the FCA to consult on introducing a duty of care. Under the Act, the FCA must publish its analysis of the responses to this consultation by the end of 2021 and must make its final rules before 1 August 2022. So this effectively sets the timetable to which the FCA is now working. And I have to say that's quite punchy given the preparatory work that will be required by firms as we'll come on to. So these
0: proposals have been drafted in part in response to feedback that customers don't have confidence in financial services firms and the FCA's own view that some firms have not consistently focused on the needs and objectives of the end consumer. What powers does the FCA think that this proposed duty and associated rules would add that aren't already available to it under the existing principles and rules?
1: So the FCA wants firms to focus more on delivering good customer outcomes. So to progress beyond um, treating customers fairly. Uh, towards a mindset that asks, am I treating my customers as I would expect to be treated? So firms and senior managers will be expected to think proactively about the impact of a particular course of action on consumers and to consider their needs first at every stage of the product lifecycle. So whilst we've already got principles six and seven, which are directed at fair treatment of and clear communication with customers, up until now, the guidance as to what those mean in practice is quite disparate. It requires firms to consider um, the treating customers fairly outcomes and guidance, together with relevant enforcement decisions. And there's also a degree of subjectivity about the FCA's actual expectations. So this proposed consumer duty and the rules and guidance that we'll come on to effectively brings more codification here and will draw together those rather disparate sources that currently set out the FCA's expectations.
0: And then it's also worth noting at the outset that the proposal isn't for a duty of care in the traditional legal sense. So this proposed consumer duty is very much a, a creature of regulation, and it's three elements, uh, the consumer principle, the cross-cutting rules, which clarify the consumer principle, and then the suite of rules and guidance covering the four outcomes. So you've got communications, products and services, customer service and price and value.
1: Yes, that's right. So in terms of scope, um, the consumer duty would apply to all firms currently in scope of the FCA's principles for business. Uh, So it would cover products and services sold to retail clients, including potential retail clients in relation to firms regulated business. But don't forget that there is a wrinkle for SMEs because not all of the services provided to them are actually regulated by the FCA. So they wouldn't be in scope for those purposes. Uh, but importantly, the consumer duty would also extend to firms that are involved in the manufacture or supply of products and services to retail clients, even if they don't have a direct relationship with the end customer. And that
0: point's quite interesting. So presumably this will mean a shift in focus for firms that haven't traditionally had a view of end customer outcomes.
1: Yeah, I think that's right. And it will also require thought across lots of product areas where intermediaries are used. So for example, insurance, mortgages, structured products. And this also has the potential to disturb settled contractual allocations of risk. So where a firm produces financial products that are sold to retail clients by distributors, so which might be private banks, for example, parties will normally enter into a distribution agreements which set out who the distributor can and cannot offer the note to. And a firm would generally be liable towards the distributor as governed by that agreement, but would have no obligation towards end consumers. And obviously, this proposed duty would change all of that. And there's also a practical problem for those firms in that they won't necessarily have access to the right management information about the end customer experience. So as to measure outcomes and see if their products are delivering them. So they would need new MI suites and contractual information sharing rights built into distribution agreements to allow for this. So we've covered the why, when and who in terms of the proposed duty.
0: So let's now turn to look at the how. So we've said there are three elements to this proposed duty, the consumer principle, the cross-cutting rules, and the outcomes. So looking at each of these in turn, Alison, how is the FCA going to phrase the overarching customer principle?
1: Well, that's up for debate. Uh, There are two proposed formulations in the consultation paper. Uh, So first, a firm must act to deliver good outcomes for retail clients, or a firm must act in the best interests of retail clients. And the FCA is asking respondents which is preferred. So best interests duties are not new. Um, They exist in a number of jurisdictions and also in the current FCA handbook, for example, in COBS it's a bit of a loaded term however uh, in that it would usually refer to a fiduciary duty but the fca says in the paper that that's not the intention but it doesn't then go on to set out what the internal alternative obligations it says uh, the duty would encompass so i think there's potential for confusion here amongst the public or uh, indeed people who advise the public who might think that the principle go further than it actually does so that might lead to increased complaints claims management company activity and, no doubt, more work for the Financial Ombudsman Service. And for that reason, the outcomes formulation, to me, seems clearer and closer to what the FCA says in the rest of the paper that it wants to achieve. Um, But there is no reasonableness qualification in the proposed formulations, and I think that's interesting given how uh, the concept of reasonableness pervades uh, the rules and outcomes. No, there isn't, and I think it would be
0: better to set that out explicitly in the consumer principle as well. So it would say a firm must act reasonably to deliver good outcomes for retail clients. This fits with the FCA's express view that it doesn't expect firms to go beyond what is reasonable and it would avoid uncertainty about what is meant by act in this context.
1: Yes, I think that's a good point. And it's also interesting to speculate how this proposed consumer duty would interact in listed firms with their duty to act in the best interest of shareholders. Um, It strikes me that there could be some tension there too. But moving on to the cross-cutting rules, uh, these are obviously designed to clarify the consumer principle. How have those rules been drafted?
0: So the consultation doesn't propose any draft rules yet, but instead it highlights three key behaviours that would be required from firms. And this is namely taking all reasonable steps to avoid causing foreseeable harm, to enable customers to pursue their financial objectives, to act in good faith towards consumers. So we see all reasonable steps as higher than the negligence standards. So firms are concerned that wherever there could be one or more conceivable step that could have been taken, then there may be a breach. But elsewhere in the consultation, the FCA indicates that they want to embed a concept of simple reasonableness, as this will clarify the objective standard and set out the factors that will influence what is reasonable in any particular circumstance. Then you have this notion of best interest and the exact standard the FCA is looking for seems really hard to pin down. So I think the FCA needs to decide on one consistent standard of care to be taken across all elements of the proposed duty.
1: And the requirement to enable customers to meet their objectives is also going to be potentially quite difficult for firms to implement. Um, So the objectives of a population of consumers can necessarily only be done in very general terms. Uh, I think the FCA doesn't seem to be intending to impose an advisory duty here. Uh, but there is a risk in my mind that if this obligation isn't carefully fleshed out in subsequent rules it might unintentionally go beyond the existing suitability or advisory framework um, but the fca clearly wants all firms to consider needs of customers and how they behave at every stage of the product and service life cycle but given we know that customers do not always behave rationally uh, this will require a sophisticated approach and behavioural analysis that not all firms will be used to conducting at present
0: Now, the final part of these proposals are the four outcomes that the FCA believes will help build on the consumer principle and the cross-cutting rules. These four outcomes are communications, so building on principle seven, products and services, customer service and price and value. And there's a suite of rules and guidance setting out more detailed standards in relation to each. Now, there's quite a lot in each one of these, Alison. What struck you most about this aspect of the proposals?
1: Well, there's some quite detailed consideration of each of these in the consultation paper, which, when you look at it, overlaps considerably uh, with existing rules and guidance. And to me, it looks a lot like an attempt to put the existing treating customer fairly outcomes into the handbook, albeit in a slightly different formulation. In terms of uh, customer communications, it's hard to see why the type of harm that the FCA articulates in the consultation paper couldn't be dealt with by the existing principle seven obligation to deal with customers in a way that is clear, fair, and not misleading. Um, There is some helpful confirmation that this doesn't import an obligation to inform customers about alternative products, and that it doesn't require a firm to check customers' understanding. Um, But there would be a new obligation to test and adapt communications. Well, that's good practice as we see it, but it may be a significant new cost for firms that don't already do this. So looking at the other outcomes, the
0: requirement that products meet the needs of consumers looks likely to be closely linked to how you describe the product and define the target market. And again, this is likely to require firms to gather better MI to ensure that outcomes are actually being delivered. Now, as we said earlier, this could be challenging for the firms who are further up the distribution chain. They're going to need to think about what data they get on end customer outcomes. And these providers are going to need to reach agreements with firms that have the end user relationship as to how compliance with the outcomes is fed back. They're also going to need to consider all stages of the customer relationship to an extent that they might not previously have done.
1: And we're also seeing a continuation of the FCA's move towards a role as a price and value regulator in the fourth outcome, aren't we? Yeah, that's right. And I think the
0: FCA's position here is very much consistent with the line it's taken in its fair pricing in financial services paper. But it's not just monetary value. The FCA also expects firms to factor in the role consumer data plays in the value chain and that there can be a cost to that too. The FDA states that firms would not be providing fair value if the price of a product is not reasonable relative to its expected benefits, but you have to ask what is reasonable in a free market? I mean, what role will supply and demand be permitted to play in pricing? Firms will argue that where a product is high risk or has required significant upfront costs, they ought to be able to recover this and make a profit from sales to consumers. Prohibiting this may well stifle innovation. And there's a possibility that a move to more limited vanilla products actually cuts across the FCA's other aims. Again, the emphasis seems to be on firms being able to demonstrate that their products offer benefits reasonable relative to the price. The FCA is explicit that senior managers will be accountable for the outcomes of these value assessments, which will put significant pressure on them to deliver in this space.
1: And finally, in terms of the proposals themselves, what has become of the proposed private right of action?
0: Yes, this has attracted a lot of attention. And I'm not going to say too much about it now because we plan on looking at the whole of consumer address, including the role of any future private right of action, in more detail in a future podcast. Suffice to say that the FCA hasn't really engaged with this in the consultation paper, save for setting out the various pros and cons, which have been well rehearsed already. They seem to err on the side of allowing any new duty to embed across the sector before considering whether to make it actionable. But it's hard to draw any more concrete conclusions than that at this stage. So that takes us to the end of the consultation paper. Taking all these proposals together, Alison, what do you think some of the practical implications for firms might be, were they to be enacted in their current form?
1: Well, as we've been discussing, um, there's an overarching focus in the consultation paper on measuring outcomes and tracking data. And the FCA wants firms to be able to provide information and data to them to evidence the outcomes of this monitoring and testing. And There's a definite parallel there with the incoming operational resilience rules, which require in-scope firms to create records demonstrating compliance with the regime and make these records available to the regulator on request. And there's also a parallel there with SMCR obligations. Um, The need to consider the consumer duty at every level of the organisation and in every process will be a large undertaking, particularly in firms with relatively undeveloped conduct MI. And evidencing that consideration will also present a significant undertaking. And the expectation is that the FCA will intervene robustly where firms own data shows that outcomes are not as planned. And the FCA will be dependent here on the ability of MI to demonstrate this appropriately. But in my mind, there's also a question about the FCA's ability and resource at a supervisory level to trawl that data. Although the duty isn't intended to operate retrospectively, firms will need to do a full audit of all products still on offer when the new regime is introduced to look at how they are delivering customer outcomes. And the compliance cost and time of this shouldn't be underestimated. uh, And the FCA will need to factor this into its cost benefit analysis as part of the consultation. Uh, And I think there's also concerns about the timetable, which seems very tight when you think about the scale of the obligations being introduced. Firms should encourage the FCA to consider an implementation period which take this into account. To be fair, many of the questions in the consultation paper do seem to be designed to allow the FCA to better understand the work firms will need to do to be compliant here. So I'm
0: hopeful on that front. Thanks, Alison. So that's all we have time for today. If you're interested in reading more, you can find our infographic in the show notes to this podcast episode. We also have a range of other podcasts and publications considering other aspects of FCA and PRA enforcement practice on linklaters.com. And remember to share and subscribe this podcast feed for more insights from us. Thank you for listening and goodbye.